My name is Angela Selak. And my name is Cindy Kaplan, and we're the co-founders of Hollywood Resumes. And, and we, we are, are the, the hustle. hustle. Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, a weekly show where an aspiring actor and screenwriter set out to educate and inspire artists and entrepreneurs all over the world with the stories and challenges of those hustling towards success. Hello, everyone. This is your co-host, Michael Lutheran, and welcome back to The Hustle for the second time this week. In case you haven't checked your podcast feeds, this is the second full interview that we've released in our celebration of our Back to the Hustle after our summer hiatus. If you haven't listened to the previous episode yet, have no fear. Just go into your podcast app and add episode 89 with actor Allison Tolman to your queue. It is such a great interview. We break down her journey of how she was cast for FX's Fargo to handling what it's like to be nominated for an Emmy and the interviews that come with that as well, as well as dealing with the hustle after you've been on a popular show and how to approach that in-between time period. You also should check out this interview because next Tuesday, Allison's new show, Emergence, will be premiering on Tuesday, September 24th on ABC. One of the things I love most about working on this show is the opportunity to meet our wonderful guests and to learn about who they are and then to see something skyrocket for them. You appreciate it so much more because you've heard their story of how hard they've worked to get where they're at. It's happened to a number of our guests, like Eddie Firth after he was able to sell his show Historical Roast to Netflix, Jason Altman in Orange is the New Black, and now Allison. And the best thing is that they are all wonderful, kind, and genuine people. Speaking of genuine people, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of our listeners, Laura Tabaugh. As some of our listeners may know, I threw myself back into acting class over the summer with former guest Beth Ryan, and one of the classes I studied was called Acting with Mindfulness, and Laura was one of my classmates. Little did I know, though, that she was actually a fan of the show, and after our last class, she came up to me and told me that she'd been listening to Hollywood Hustle for quite some time before starting class, and that it was helping her on her journey to get back into acting. Now, I was shocked for two reasons. First, that she hadn't told me that she was in the League of Hustle at that moment. But I should have known because she is a rock star and super talented. But secondly, and I'm sure Daniel and Lennox will feel the same way about this, but hearing how this podcast has touched listeners' lives means so much to me. I know how powerful of an experience it is to find that show that gives you community. And as the producer as someone who helps make this show, it's comments like that that just keeps putting the fire back into our fuel tank and makes us just want to keep on going. So if you guys want to share your hustle with us or let us know how this show has impacted you, email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a voice message through the Anchor FM podcast app. You just find our podcast page in the app and click on the message tab and you can send us a 60 second voice message. It's that easy and we'd love to hear from you and support you. So thank you so much, Laura, and for the rest of our League of Hustle who support this show. Now, let's get ready for this interview that you'll be listening to today. Here at Hollywood Hustle, we're all about supporting the everyday artist. Not all artists are actors, thank goodness, here in Hollywood. You see, the business is made up of so many talented people who thrive in their respective industries. For those of you who are interested in working behind the scenes, 
whether that be as an assistant, agent, manager, or another game-changing role, one thing everybody needs to get their foot in the door to be considered is a strong and professional resume. But what should your resume look like? Does it look like an actor's resume? Are objective statements still a thing? More importantly, what experience is the industry looking for and how can you craft your work history to reflect that? Fortunately, Daniel knows some people who can help. Hollywood resumes. No, their names aren't Hollywood and resumes. It's, it's the... Here, let me explain. Hollywood Resumes is a resume writing and career service dedicated to entertainment industry professionals. Created by Cindy Kaplan and Angela Selak, our host Daniel Tuttle dives into their backstory of how they each arrived in the city of dreams, how they individually rose through the ranks at various production companies, and how they both learned that many qualified candidates simply don't know how to pitch themselves for the Hollywood jobs they want. Neither Lennox or myself were able to join Daniel in the recording of this interview, but you will hear from me later in the episode because I sent Daniel a message via the awesome Anchor FM voice message tool. <coughs> Shameless plug! <coughs> now, just a heads up, this will be a longer episode because we wanted our community to get as much information as possible. So, get your pen and paper ready or your phone's notes section open because Hollywood Resumes is about to dish out a ton of great advice. Let the hustle begin. All right, I am here with Angela Selak and Cindy Kaplan from Hollywood Resumes. I am super excited to talk to these ladies. I uh, saw a post that Angela made about Hollywood resumes on my, uh, LinkedIn, and I jumped at the chance to message her and be like, I want to talk to you about this because I feel like not only me, but tons of people have questions about uh, uh, how resumes are built. How, you know, are there machines reading these resumes? Do people even care anymore about resumes? <laughs> um, how do you get an interview in the entertainment industry and what makes entertainment resumes may be different from regular resumes and, and the same. Um, as we talked about last week at our side hustle, you know, you hear things all the way from high school of you need this and you need this in your resumes. And so I think it's going to be really cool to have these ladies uh, here to discuss not only where they come from and how they've kind of come to this situation of helping other people, uh, but what skills you've learned along the way that have helped you successfully maneuver through uh, getting jobs and working in the industry. So thank you so much, ladies, for being here. Uh, once again, kind of like last year, last week, uh, let's kind of go through names real quick and, and say who you're who you are so people can hear your voice so they know who's talking. Hi, I'm Angela. And I'm Cindy. Fantastic. Look, already pros. Already <laughs> pros. So let's kind of just start real quick. Uh, we'll start with uh, you, Cindy, this time. Sure. Um, just kind of tell us just a small bio. Where are you from? What was your family like? And how did you find yourself in L.A.? Okay, so I am from Brooklyn, New York. Ooh, ooh, Brooklyn. Yeah, before it was cool. So <laughs> <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It's just like not that cool part of Brooklyn. <laughs> Um, and I went to college in Brandeis University, which is just outside of Boston. And I had no idea that I wanted to pursue a career in entertainment until April of my senior year of college, when my screenwriting professor was like, oh, you're really good. You're moving to LA mm -hmm. after college to pursue this, right? And I said, sure. 
And with no intention to do it? Or was that like, until, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Until that point, I had no intention of doing it. Mm-hmm. And then when I said it, I was like, okay, well, that's a thing now. So if you had no intention, I just want to ask, like, why did you take the screenwriting class? So I was a creative writing minor. I okay. knew I wanted to write. And Brandeis had very strict rules about creative writing classes and mm. who got into them and how. And I had heard that the screenwriting class was a little bit more lax about some <laughs> of these rules. The, and, the reason for 95% of people being into classes. all of the fiction classes that I tried to get into, I was told, uh, you focus too much on dialogue. And so mm. one of my friends had taken intro to screenwriting and she was like, this is a class about dialogue. I bet like they'll be happy to have <laughs> you. And they were. Um, nice. And I still, I, I really still keep in touch with my professor he's pretty great um and yeah i took the class just kind of to be like this is writing that i can do and get Mm -hmm. my degree um and then called my parents and i was like i'm moving to los angeles after graduation (laughs) which was weeks away right uh to which they said no (laughs) (laughs) but there's so much traffic like what are you talking about um yeah so much traffic and also i'm from brooklyn so like you don't really learn to drive necessarily in brooklyn so like i had a license and i didn't know how to use it so Mm. that was a whole thing for a different podcast (laughs) Uh, that's on my uh driving (laughs) podcast we'll talk about cars and how, how everybody learned to get their license um but Basically, we we came to an agreement that I would come to L.A. for the summer mm. and go to USC summer film program, take a class there and see if like more than one person in the world thought that I could pursue screenwriting. Nice. And I did that and realized I couldn't stay in L.A. I didn't know anything about the industry. I had mm. a friend who was out here who was like, oh, yeah, I got an interview at CA. And I was like, why is that exciting? <laughs> what is CA? What's CA? You got what? an interview in California? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, I was like, why do we care? Do you want to be an agent? I thought you wanted to be a producer. This doesn't make any sense. And um, that's how I realized I had no idea mm-hmm. what was flying. Um, so I went back to New York and I was there for a year um, and worked at... Uh, I did an internship at a place called New York Women in Film and Television. I learned a lot about the industry from that organization Mm. and parlayed that into an internship working for a documentary filmmaker who was Mm. then moving to L.A. And I realized the New York industry was not for me Mm -hmm. um, and basically said to my parents, like, this is this isn't going to work out. And I have someone I know in L.A. They don't have a job for me, but like, it's not nothing. Mm -hmm. And. Then I came here. That was October of 2009. Hey! Ten-year anniversary coming coming up up. very, very soon. Ten years, baby. (laughs) That's a good one. Man, that's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Angela? My ten-year anniversary is also coming up very soon. Yeah, so... I like the little (laughs) shimmy you did there. Ten years, baby. This is a video. Yes, you are a queen. Um, Yeah, so I'm from Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. and I went to college at Duke University in North Carolina, and I specifically was interested in children's television. Okay. um, Probably because I have an interest in education, just the way kids think. It's very fascinating to me, but I was also a theater nerd. I loved entertainment, Mm -hmm. and I was very fascinated with L.A. Mm -hmm. growing up. So uh, after college, I decided, okay, well, maybe I'll move to L.A. and I'll do Mm -hmm. children's television. But I didn't know anyone in L.A. at all. Mm-hmm. None. Nobody. So, and I knew no one in entertainment. So I decided right. I'll go to grad school. So I applied to a program at USC, uh, Communication Management, mm-hmm. where I did a bunch of classes that were very industry-focused. 
and also did some internships there. So that was kind of how I got into the industry. Oh, fantastic. Nice. Yeah. yeah you know, one of the things about that we really try to push on our show is, is preparing people uh, to move here. And so uh, I think that, again, that's why when I saw your posting on LinkedIn uh, about uh, Holly Resumes, that was just, it just kicked like that. That would be amazing to hear. <laughs> and I'm thinking through all the other like Hollywood or L.A. specific shows that I listen to. Or heard of, I'm like, I don't think I've heard of anyone that have had that type of episode. And so I was like, this is golden. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you so much for responding to me. And Cindy, thank you for being uh, so acquiesced to come on yeah. as well. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's kind of just start with the basic idea of looking for work. Uh, yeah, obviously, the entertainment industry, I think, sometimes looks like the Emerald City. It looks like this giant building with this guy behind a sheet, and you just see a talking head saying, do you know this person? Then yes, you may come here. Are you this person's cousin? Then yes, you may enter. But if not, get out. You know, it just seems scary and seems so big and giant. And this idea of there's always a closed door. There's a closed gate. You've got to get your foot in the door or get your foot in the gate. Um, for you and from your perspective, how has the entertainment industry looked different from other industries when looking for work? What have you noticed are like the biggest differences? So, you know, when I was in college, a lot of my friends were applying to jobs before April of senior year, before I'd made a decision about my life. Mm -hmm. And they were able to go to job fairs and hand their resumes. I actually went to some of these job fairs because I was like, I don't know what I want to do and mm -hmm. what that's all about. And you put, hand your resume to people at a job fair and they give you a call and you can network and find jobs mm -hmm. and secure a job before graduation. Right. And um, over the years, I've actually spoken to a number of current Brandeis students, because one of the things that Angela and I are both pretty passionate about is giving back to the, the schools that we came from. Um, and a lot of them have the same kind of issues of yeah. all of my friends can just, you know, get a job mm -hmm. and apply Lucky. and secure it before graduation. And you really, for a job in Hollywood, mm -hmm. you have to be here. Yeah. People want you to start tomorrow. They want mm -hmm. you to start yesterday, yeah. <laughs> if possible. Oh, God, I'm late. They don't want to wait, like, four months till you graduate and yeah. move here and, like, buy your car and figure mm -hmm. out that you can't afford an apartment. Like, they don't – there's no time for that. So you have to come here understanding that you're not going to have a job out of the gate. You can't wait to make your move to L.A. Mm -hmm. once you've already, you know, secured something. You have to come here mm -hmm. with nothing, like – you know, okay, this is going to really make me sound like an idiot. So you might have to edit it out. But <laughs> the song Party in the USA was, like, really big uh -huh. when I was moving here. <laughs> and, like, it was something I remember I was packing to move to L.A. And my mom and one of my really good friends were like, this song is about you because you're moving to L.A. nothing but dreams in your cardigan. And, like, that's true. And it's kind of stuck with me over mm -hmm. the last 10 years because, like, you really have to come here and right. just hope. Maybe you have a side job, like, you know, you, you have an in at a mm. retailer that you could probably worked at the gap in college. You could probably work at the gap out here. I don't know how that mm -hmm. works, but you're not going to have an actual job. So let me, let me just ask you, when you got here, uh, when you were kind of going driving around LA, did you put your hands up 
and the butterflies <laughs> flow away. <laughs> I did. I could help myself. And I still do. Because a Jay-Z song was on. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Whatever. It's now on the internet. <laughs> still use Hollywood. Was your life pitch perfect? I just, I'm just curious. Just curious. How about you, Angela? What, do, what is your perspective of looking for a job here versus anywhere else? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with most of the stuff Cindy mm-hmm. said. I can't say that I've looked for a job anywhere else. I haven't. Right. Um, but it's it's a tricky industry and it's very competitive. But I will also say that I think knowing what I know now, it would have been a whole lot easier. Mm. It's easier than I thought it was mm-hmm. to get to break in and to get that first job. Mm-hmm. You just have to know what you're doing. Right. And you have to have someone that can really guide you and tell you how to do things the right way. Right. Um, and also be a champion for you. Oh, that is so important. Like having that mentor person who goes, Hey, you've kind of come a long way. I know someone I can pass your resume along mm-hmm. bit by bit. Absolutely. So let's talk about when you start looking for those jobs. I came here a little late past the, uh, available to do internships just because by the time I moved here, I was getting married. Uh, within a year I was about to have a kid. So getting that unpaid internship was just not an option for me. Um, but what is why is it so important uh, to really start at these assistant level intern jobs? And what is it what is important to do when you get these jobs to make sure you kind of are able to keep not only moving up there or being able to bounce and lily pad to other places? So I actually don't think it's you should be taking an internship as mm-hmm. your first job out okay. of college. Internships are for undergrads. And maybe if you've never done anything in entertainment ever before, mm-hmm. you could start with an internship. But the fact is, assistant-level jobs are entry-level roles. They are answering the phone, and they are scheduling meetings, and they are things that you are perfectly capable of doing coming out of college. And in fact, it doesn't really make all that much sense, you know, when your job later on is going to have nothing to do with (laughs) answering the phones and scheduling meetings. The good news is when you're an assistant, typically you're listening in on your boss's calls, and you have a lot of access to a lot of information, so you can learn people's names, you can learn who's important, you can learn how to evaluate a script. You can learn all of these skills mm-hmm. while you're in a lower level role. And I think that applies anywhere, any mm-hmm. industry. If you're starting at the bottom, you have to learn things about your industry to move up. Yeah, in reality, you could technically start at a coordinator level <laughs> role too and be just fine. It's right. just that that's not how it works. Right, absolutely. One of the things that was said to me a lot when I moved here was that your assistant years are kind of like grad school. And you know, the annoying thing is that most grad school programs actually have like a end date and assistant jobs don't necessarily have that. Some people are an assistant for a year. Some people are assistants for four or five years, um, depending on where they are. But you're learning. It's not about like, oh, I'm just answering the phone. It's about what am I learning on that call? How am mm-hmm. I building my cohort of people? You'll often hear people talk about the people that they came up with. And those are the people who are assistants the same time that you're Mm -hmm. an assistant who saw you when you were crying because you dropped your boss's call. Ten years later, we'll still like have a soft spot for you and then you can work together. So it's really about forming those relationships, becoming the person who has someone that they know. And if you approach Mm -hmm. it in that way, then it's Mm -hmm. a little bit easier to stomach some of the administrative stuff. You're not going to look 
some people can come out the gate and like, direct an independent film and mm. you know go on to be huge that does happen right. but it's not the norm and it's certainly not the norm if you want to have a job as a producer or as an mm. executive you you have to pay your dues but learn along the way and it'll be right. a little bit easier to stomach that i think you know you always hear um, this phrase where in, in a movie, a server movie is like, you know, don't mess with the people who's, who handle your food is almost similar. Like, don't mess with the people who are the gateway to those people that you want to talk to. Don't be mean to assistants mm-hmm. because they're your gateway. They're the people that will get you in. So it's like you want to be nice to all the other assistants out there. What what do you think are the skills that you need to actually to kind of have in those assistant roles to make sure you succeed in those roles? I mean, phones, Mm -hmm. biggest thing you need to be able to do is answer the phone, roll calls, take notes on calls, not get scared of a phone call. Um, For those that don't know, can you explain what rolling a call is? Yeah, so rolling a call is when your your boss wants to call multiple people kind of back to back to back to back. And sometimes they're in the office and you're transferring it from, you know, your desk to their phone inside mm. the office, but more often than not, they're actually on the road somewhere doing fancy boss things. And you're basically conferencing right. their cell phone into the other assistant's phone is conferencing that person mm-hmm. into their, <laughs> their boss. And you're facilitating this yeah. conference and call. And you're both on it, but you're and, on mute and, because you don't exactly. want Exactly. Yeah. And you're coming back to your boss after each call. Who's next? Right. Who's, who's next? next? Who's, who's next? next? Yeah. So phones is a really mm-hmm. important skill that you need to have. Scheduling meetings, which is not as simple as just like, oh, okay, he's available at 2 p.m. It's really, there's an art to it. And we actually talk a lot about this in our assistant training course. We did one over the summer. We've got a, a couple more coming up throughout mm-hmm. the year. There's an art to when... Is your boss actually available? When can they get their work done? Um, what are their like physical needs? Where do they like to have lunch? Who's more powerful than who and gets to determine when the meeting mm-hmm. is? How do you push a meeting? LA is full of flaky people who like to cancel things or just have uh, things on the calendar just so they can the remove time. them, just so that you know that something like that they're thinking of you, but they yeah. don't actually want to see you. And as an assistant, it's your job to both be that flake for your boss mm-hmm. and also respond to the flakiness yeah. from your boss. Learn how to cancel a call or a lunch with with Jesus uh, 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 <laughs> like with, exactly. with 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 a, and also to like never really cancel well. something with someone who's really important mm-hmm. um, and figuring that out. So those are the two mm-hmm. like main skills that you need to have. And if you mm-hmm. don't have them from mm-hmm. a past job, then you need to find a way to communicate on your resume that you can do those things or you might need to get an internship but usually at most jobs like you'll have been around a phone or around something administrative in some capacity and i think i'll add also you have to know like inside internally what meetings are important for the week to week and what meetings can maybe be shift you know moved around or canceled because you may have to go we need to find time for me and this person to get together and you may have to move another meeting later yeah. on or an internal meeting and go, okay, we can't do this here. Can we move this meeting? Yeah. That kind of thing. And as well. One of the things that actually one of my friends uh, brought up to me when she, she came to visit, she's not in this industry. She doesn't live in the city. She was just, you know, coming to, to hang out and she mm-hmm. was doing some just general networking with people. And um, someone had scheduled a lunch and she was like, but like, what time is lunch? And I was like, oh, it's one o'clock. And she was mm-hmm. like, how do you know that? And I talked to her about how in Los Angeles, lunch is at one o'clock mm-hmm. and therefore traffic is really bad. Like there's a rush hour around lunch mm-hmm. and every place you, is full. You have to understand it. And she was like, that's so strange in uh, Boston where she's from. Mm-hmm. Lunch is whatever you say lunch is. Yeah. And I was like, I don't understand. 
because I've been here now 10 years and lunch has been at one o'clock. <laughs> See, I didn't understand that when I started at uh, the production of Mar Vista Entertainment. I didn't understand like that was a hard and fast rule, not just here. That's what everybody typically did. That's just like I worked at another company for a little bit also as a temp. And I was like, oh, they have lunch at one here, too. That must be a thing <laughs> that everybody has lunch at one o'clock in Hollywood. Yeah. So like saying in an email, OK, what time do you want lunch to be is socially awkward and not the sign of a good assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's kind of just kind of bring it back a little bit to you two individually, um, just kind of going through your journey of where you start, you know, where you came from here and then kind of that final bringing you guys together uh, for Hollywood resumes. And then we'll definitely get in that meat of how do I make a good resume and how do I, how do I get a job? Just how <laughs> do I get a freaking job in this city? I know everybody's asking it. Everybody's thinking it. So Angela, let's kind of start with you. Um, you worked for Nickelodeon. So mm-hmm. congratulations on finding that children's television. <laughs> I mean, the Mecca of other than, you know, Disney that that's right next to it. Um, I remember growing up watching all of those shows, Nick at night, Nickelodeon, all those things. You know, how did you get your job at Nickelodeon? Yeah, so um, after moving here, I didn't, again, didn't know what I was doing (laughs) at all. Landed in a bunch of reality TV internships, Mm -hmm. which is where I met Cindy. And um, then (laughs) (laughs) my first job out of grad school was at a company where Cindy was already working. Mm -hmm. She helped me get that job. It was not in children's television. <laughs> Sorry. And I hopped to a couple of Cindy. different... <laughs> yeah. I hopped to a couple of different jobs, and I'd done a lot of stuff in reality, and that was never what I had intended on doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, reality TV is perfectly fine, but I came here with a specific goal. Before I started at Nick, probably about six months before, I, I just kind of thought, what am I doing right now? I, I came here to work in children's television. The question heard around the yeah. world in LA, what yeah. am I doing right now? Yeah, it was like, okay, well, there's no reason that I can't answer the phones for someone at Nickelodeon. <laughs> you know, it's not that I love hard. this simple idea of like, right? I could work at Disney. Like, as yeah. an assistant. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. There's absolutely. No, there is no But reason. it seems so big. You know what I mean? Like, it's Nickelodeon. It's Disney. It you does. Know? And then you go, but they just answer phones. It's true. <laughs> and it's easy to psych yourself out about that. But the reality is you're just going to be an assistant there too. So. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm. Why couldn't it be you? Why does it have to be someone else? It doesn't. So what I did was I networked to death to get into Mm -hmm. Nickelodeon. I actually decided I would either go to Nickelodeon or Disney. Mm -hmm. That was it. I... Those I set my sights on those two, and I put right. all of my energy. Man, can I ask, kind of into like it. just real quick, like what are some of the paths you used to network? Like, yeah, wh- yeah mm-hmm. what were those paths? So, um, one was I every time I had drinks with anybody or met with friends or acquaintances mm-hmm. or whatever, I told them I wanted to work at Nickelodeon, <laughs> and I was looking for a job. It's there. true. Every nice. time that Angela and I got together, it I was I want to work at Nickelodeon. That's I, I mean that's fantastic. That's I amazing. also found out that. At the time, the head of Disney TV animation went to Duke. So I mm-hmm. sent him a cold email. Hey, oh, will okay. you meet with me? Yeah, of course. So I met with him. Mm-hmm. He puts me in touch with someone else. So you start kind of a chain of networking mm-hmm. through informational interviews. Everyone you meet, they can probably introduce you to somebody else if right. you want to learn something a little bit different. So that's one way. Um, what The real way that I got in, I think, ultimately was Cindy introduced me to a girl who at the time was the assistant to the head of series development at Nickelodeon. And she and I are now very good friends, but we got drinks one mm-hmm. night and 
I stayed in touch with her. She said, oh, you know what? There's going to be a job opening in original movies coming up. And so it took a while. I mean, I think I had drinks with her in July and mm-hmm. then I didn't start at Nickelodeon until the end of January. Oh, wow. So the process was really long. I had to wait and I just stayed in touch with her again, kept networking. Mm-hmm. And when that job finally did come open, mm-hmm. the person collecting resumes got my resume from a lot of different people. Oh, that's awesome. And they thought, okay, well, who's this weirdo? <laughs> Are there 18 Angela? <laughs> she really wants to work here. I guess I have to interview her. <laughs> just to see who this person you know? is. Yeah. And so that was kind of how I got the interview. But I also came into the interview. I hadn't worked in kids mm-hmm. television. I had done my master's thesis on it. So I was aware and I watched right. a lot, but I, I hadn't worked in it before. And I've been working in unscripted right. and people say, Oh my gosh, it's impossible. The jump. Yeah, it's, it's impossible, impossible to, to transition from unscripted mm-hmm. to scripted. It's not impossible, but it's hard. It's yeah. not easy. You have to convince them that you can do the job. And I came in first of all, with a bunch of really like intelligent questions, I think in my interview and, uh, I first interviewed with the department coordinator and then uh, the heads of the department. And so what they had had me do beforehand is had me read a script and come in and talk about it. I spent a bunch of time at home preparing. It's like English class, right? Evaluating a script. And I came up with a really you know, clear, concise argument of, okay, here are the three top line notes I have and here are the things I liked. Mm-hmm. And so I came in ready to talk about those things and I really impressed them. I showed them, oh, she can evaluate a script right. even though she hasn't worked in it. So, gotcha. you know, there was a way to do that. And so that's, so I got the job. I feel like we should add like these like bells when someone like says something that's like important. <laughs> like I, I came in with important questions. Ding! Like, just remember that, right? Everybody should take notes when you hear this bell. Just write that down. Uh, this is your class, your master class in, uh, in, in resumes and interviews. What were your responsibilities over time as you worked at Nickelodeon? So as an assistant, I started like any other assistant answering phones and what? managing the calendar and, and stuff. But I had already been an assistant for a couple of years, so I was in a good position. I knew how to do that stuff perfectly. I'm a very organized person and I'm pretty resourceful, which is also very important in assistant life. So I knew, I was able to transition to that stuff really easily and take that on second nature. And so what I decided to do, okay, well, I'm gonna read everything that Mm -hmm. comes in the door. Every submission, every sample, Mm -hmm. every script we had in development. And so, and then I decided, which, I was lucky I had a really amazing team and a great boss who was very receptive to me. But mm. I said, okay, you know, I'm just going to send out my notes mm. to the whole team mm. and see who reads them. So right. I read everything first and I sent out my whole notes to the whole team. And they were like, oh, she gets it. She cares about this. Oh, right. we'll start inviting her into pitch meetings and we'll start bringing her into the conversation. And so it very quickly, I was able to move up quickly because of that and mm. get promoted to coordinator. And then, you know, as a coordinator, what you're doing is uh, still a lot more of evaluation and stuff. You get to lose all the phone duties, but you get become a lot more in charge of tracking things, yeah. maintaining grids and and just seeing what's popping, mm-hmm. doing a bunch of research, that kind of stuff. And you're also connecting other mm-hmm. through between other people, like a mediator sometimes mm-hmm. also, right? Between maybe a budget person and the producer yeah. at the same time. Tons of stuff. I yeah. mean, there's there are so many things and they kind of are random and depend on the job. But, right. you know, you're coordinating things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you move up from manager to manager and then director. So mm-hmm. I was at Nick for six and a half years. So as you start getting up to like manager, director and getting into those executive level roles, mm-hmm. you're job 
in development at a scripted network. This is very specific <laughs> to that job. At 1707. Yeah. <laughs> you are bringing in projects. Right. So you are reading tons of writing samples. You're talking to agents and managers mm-hmm. and, and getting new, their clients and deciding who you really like, what right. who's a good writer, who do I want to bring in for a general meeting, and then telling them, oh, here's what we're looking for right mm-hmm. now, taking pitches, evaluating pitches, deciding what to buy, and then working with those writers to develop scripts. Right. So that's kind of the general overview of what you end up doing as a development right. executive. Fantastic. So that's that's kind of how I grew into that. So you are obviously a good interviewer because you answered like three questions kind of <laughs> low, uh, that I had, so bravo. Um, so I guess my next question would be then, what, what was the um, adverse to leave Nickelodeon, what was kind Mm -hmm. of that, what instigated that, and what was the most important thing you took away from that company? Oh man, the most important thing I took away. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting? You know, there were a lot of great things I learned at Nickelodeon, Mm -hmm. and one of them has nothing to do with the content, but I had a really great boss. Right. And I think a really good manager is very important. Right. Um, it'll really impact how you see your job. Mm-hmm. So that is something I definitely learned because I always think about it in terms of like, oh, that would be a fun job. But it also depends on who you're working for if it's going to be fun. Um, and then as far as leaving, I so we started Hollywood Resumes uh, three and a half years ago. We actually technically started it four years ago, but mm. launched it three and a half <laughs> years ago. Um, so while I was still at Nickelodeon. And that kind of became something that was really exciting helping people find jobs and, you know, right. writing their resumes for them and that stuff. So it kind of made sense at this point to kind of start pursuing that more. Right. And also, you know, also doing some development consulting. And I really like the idea of working for myself, the kind of the freelance lifestyle. And then there's tons of people that right. say I'm tired of being a freelancer and I want to go full time. But so I'm kind of backwards of that. <laughs> right. uh, now, this last part is kind of my own personal uh, uh, selfish question mm-hmm. because it's it fascinates me. There's a, a podcast I listen to called Children of Tandu. I've mentioned it several times. It's two TV writers who basically just tell everything about being a writer for TV. And one of the things they have talked about is like development and pitching. If you can just real quick as you know, I, you can do a whole episode on development and pitching. <laughs> what are some of your suggestions for those that may be don't really understand how pitching works or what you should do? Just maybe some advice you would give someone if they are going to prepare a pitch. Okay, well, I guess there are a few things. Mm-hmm. So one of them is that people are deciding if they want to work with you, mm-hmm. not just do they want to develop your story. Um, you want to be nice and personable <laughs> and agreeable to things. What? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> and also when you're developing, you know, take notes mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you might be really annoyed with the note, but just take it. Right. <laughs> and go and vent to somebody else. Don't fight people because mm-hmm. they're going to want to keep working with you if you respond well to those kinds of things. Same thing in a pitch. Um, come in and show your your personality. As far as an a- the actual content of a pitch goes, mm-hmm. I think the main thing that people are looking for right now is authenticity. And so it's good to lead with, here's what inspired me to come up with this pitch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a very personal family story. Mm-hmm. Like I want to tell the story of my family or something that happened to me growing up. Right. But then there's also people that are obsessed with vampires. And, right. you know, I'm really passionate about vampires. So I, here's my vampire story that I want to tell. Right. Or here's some other idea that sparked in my head. So you want to kind of lead with that. Right. Why this matters and why you're the person to write this. And this is all presuming, too, that you got into that meeting with them already wanting to work with you. They right. like your writing. If if it's somebody that doesn't like your writing or doesn't like the way you produce or something mm-hmm. like that, 
it's kind of going to be an uphill battle. So, you know, as long as, you know, you're, you have a good rapport and everything <laughs> already going, right. that that's big. Um, and then it's just being, telling a story in a really clear way, mm-hmm. but being concise about it. So you never want to go longer than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. We, I one time sat in a pitch that was an like the actual physical pitch of <laughs> saying start to finish <laughs> right. was over an hour long for a movie that was 68 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a movie. That's a TV show. Yeah, like, that's TV a TV movie. That's but, a TV show with like one less commercial break. But right. think about it. If you're talking for that long, right. whatever you're pitching is probably four hours long. You might have well just <laughs> you know? read the script to them. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, and we were all just like, oh my God, I'm going to fall asleep right now. This is exactly... You just want to get to the point. Can you not, as the person on that other side, can you not go like, okay, great, thank you. Like, American Idol it. Like, thank you, that's that's fantastic. You can, but then people leave and they say, oh my God, that um, awful executive. They right. so So then rude. You, get bad, you get a bad rap. So, you know, uh, it's up to you. You know what? But you came and just talked about 68 minutes, about, or, you know, 60 minutes about <laughs> yeah. a 68 minute movie. Yeah, no, it's just, it's good to the point. I mean, establish those strong characters mm-hmm. and who they are. And then, you know, the key story beats of whatever you're talking about, um, a pilot story or a a feature or whatever, don't say, I hate it when people come in and set up act one and then they say, and then chaos happens. (laughs) Okay, so you don't know what happens. You haven't thought this. I think that's the biggest thing I've heard a lot repeatedly Mm -hmm. is have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Like know your story and your piece of work frontwards and backwards so Mm -hmm. you can answer any question that they may have if you're especially if you're creating a world of some like post-apocalyptic future know every single part of that future it's true and in a, in a good pitch i mean sometimes you just get everything across and it's very clear mm-hmm. but if you know they want to know more about certain things and you're able to answer all those questions really well that looks really good on you yeah absolutely mm-hmm. thank you so much yeah. that was fantastic cindy You've been so polite and just sitting there so I like hearing Angela's story. It never gets old. <laughs> That's, I, I'll tell you, the, I, told, I always tell people the reason I started this show was because I just love talking to people. And I could literally hear people's stories all day. It's <laughs> fascinating to me. Um, so let's hear yours, Cindy. You know, real quick, you talked just a little bit about uh, the pilot season here and then kind of moving back to mm-hmm. New York and then coming back, which uh, you're definitely not the only guest we've had that. We've had several people who checked it out here and left for one reason or another and then like, you know what, I'm going to try it again. Here I come. Um, so my question kind of for you, it's a little different than what we have kind of in the outline, is what was the biggest difference from moving to like New York to L.A. that maybe you had to get used to just in the sense of the city itself? The lack of public transportation. Oh, God, yes. Um, I love New York transportation. I mean, I got so much done on the subway. Mm -hmm. I read so much. Mm -hmm. It was really just... I mean, I would read at a minimum a book a week. Yeah. And now I have to find other time to read Mm -hmm. because it's, like, not appropriate to read while driving your car. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, I need to take that table out of my car. Walking. Mm -hmm. um, I miss that a lot. I miss the, the crowds. But I think that... The biggest thing for me and people from other places who moved to L.A. disagree mm-hmm. with me about this story, but it's mine and I'll take ownership of it. <laughs> um, I think L.A. is really polite. Mm-hmm. And when I first moved here on the second day that I lived here, I was trying to I was having some issues like, buying my car. Mm-hmm. And I went to the Starbucks across the street from the dealership to just kind of like wait it out. Mm-hmm. And the barista said to me, I really like your purse. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> And I really thought that the woman behind me was going to just, like, 
get irritated that this right. was a long conversation. And she goes, oh, my God, I do, too. Where'd you get it? And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, DSW, why are we talking about this? I was so confused because in New York, like, if you interrupt someone's, like, coffee getting experience and delay them, like, they've baked in two minutes to right. get their coffee that's it. Well, that, There's no time for yeah. chit chat. And here are these people being like, I like your purse. Where'd you get? And I was like, what? Why am I well, not being killed? New York <laughs> and LA, the biggest difference is New York, everyone has a destination. Like, I have a goal. I know where I'm going, and that is what my head is in that space. Here is not so much in a lot of times. Right, exactly. And what I've learned actually is that people in New York are like more polite, they're just more abrupt mm-hmm. and to the point. And people in LA can be like a little bit snarky and bitchy but like they'll dilly dally about it so <laughs> it's the name of my tv series <laughs> snarky and bitchy the dilly dally stories but you know i get a lot of energy from being around people and crowds and so every so often i take myself out like on a walk to the grove mm-hmm. on like a sunday afternoon oh, when nice. most people in la are like this is the worst place to be mm-hmm. i'm like yes there are thousands of people here and i can push them and no one will notice <laughs> um and that's the same kind of thing that you can do on the subway, but mm-hmm. it's a place that you can do it here because otherwise you're just not interacting with people. Right. That's, That's just cool. from a city perspective. Nice. Yeah, it's always I'm always fascinated by people that move from, especially in New York, just that other big city, that other other emerald city, if you will. Um, that's kind of scary. So when you kind of started here, uh, you you get started getting your start, especially in like the non reality television stuff like that. Uh, what you know, what was it like when you were at the bottom of the ladder for you? Um, was it easy? Did you have like that great boss that mentored you and kind of what was your path to stepping forward? Ooh, there are so many up. questions there. I was sorry. Like, to answer sorry. them all I, in I, order. I, oh, I'm the worst. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. So Angela and I met at reality production company's internship and mm-hmm. it was also an assistant training program, which was a very helpful program because, you know, we didn't have necessarily, or at least I didn't have the administrative skills, which was mm-hmm. weird because I was involved in everything at Brandeis. I had one of those resumes that we see sometimes from college students that's just like, were you running a Fortune 500 company? <laughs> um, like, this is this is not right. normal. And so, like, I was creating university-wide policy and, like, meeting with executives, and I put that all in my resume because that's the advice that I had been given. And right. I didn't even, in, like, those activities, ever really deal with things like mm-hmm. phones and scheduling. It was just a totally different environment. And so after you know, applying for a lot of jobs. I was like, okay, I'm going to do another internship. The economy is really bad. Maybe I don't know anything about how this industry works (laughs) actually. And so getting that assistant training program Mm -hmm. and learning, um, how to kind of go back into those skills and why they were important Mm -hmm. and and what the basics of the industry were really formative for me. Um, and it was a great network. I mean, obviously we're still, we're still going strong. (laughs) (laughs) We're still, you know, we're still good. Um, At that assistant training program, I eventually became the head intern, head of maybe 15, 20 other interns. And you're Mm -hmm. telling them what to do, what not to do. And it was actually a little bit hard for me because I was watching people that I had trained go off and get jobs. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, so I observed Shabbat, the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. which means I don't work after sundown Fridays until... Saturday night. And that's not really super easy in this industry because, you know, people want you to work till seven o'clock on Fridays at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the sun sets at four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the head of that company like pulled me aside and said, I know you're getting frustrated. I could probably get you a job, you know, doing something that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But 
You seem to have writing ability. You yeah. seem to be pretty good. I can get you the job that you want. You just have to be patient for it unless you're willing to sacrifice your values. And he's like, whatever you want to do, you tell me. You tell me I'm giving up this Sabbath thing. Mm -hmm. I'll get you a job tomorrow. You right. tell me you're keeping with it. Just stay here. And so I told him that I was keeping with it. And I think that's also something that Hollywood sometimes tries to take away from you or the formative mm -hmm. values that you have. Yeah. And it's a personal decision to keep them or lose them. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I kept them and I'm proud of that decision and stand by yeah, it. And it absolutely. led me to the best boss that I have ever had. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, which that's is pretty awesome. great. Yay. So <laughs> happy ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a literary manager mm -hmm. uh, who's starting to go off on his own, um, both in terms of having his own client list and also starting a film development database. It was mm -hmm. called It's on the Grid. Um, he was going to partner with the assistant training program to use their interns mm -hmm. as kind of like data entry people in addition to the reality company. And he needed an assistant. And this was kind of the perfect way. I wanted, mm -hmm. I moved here to be a writer. Very good early step to be a writer is to assist a lit manager. And he's an incredibly chill person <laughs> um, and turns out to also be a Seventh-day Adventist. So like uh, fun coincidence, he nice. also has a Sabbath has just own, in a different way. His, his own spiritual kind of needs and things like that. I mean, it's the same time period right, that like, right, right. he would try to go off of, offline. Right, right. Um, so it was actually something that came up in the interview, which oh. was like not really an interview so much as a you have the job when like let's chit chat about it. Right. Um, I've strangely enough had those as well. Yeah. It was, it was great. It was, it was a coffee, mm -hmm. um, and at the end of it, he was like, "Oh, I guess." I guess I should probably tell you that you got the job. And I, like, and I actually said, oh, I know. <laughs> I love <laughs> that's the how confidence. You know it's like, that's how you know it's like a good yeah. relationship. I love um, the confidence. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so he was uh, my boss for a while. I worked there for about two years running the assistant training program. Now not as head intern, but mm -hmm. as like the assistant overseeing this database while right. also doing general assistant things for him. And then... That company actually got sold to The Wrap, which is where I got Angela a job, and we hmm. continued working together. You guys still work together? <laughs> <laughs> we took like a short time. break. <laughs> we took a break from 2012 to the middle of 2016. It was a really dark time. It was a really hard time. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, That's age that has no name. Yeah, so now I'm forgetting some of your questions. Oh, no, no, Ramble please. on no. way too much. <laughs> no, you But we're, we're at, I'm working at It's on the Grid. Right. What there do you, you want to know about no, it? No, <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Well, I think the other thing was like, and you kind of answered it, was did you have that person who kind of, the you know, you hear the horror stories of like, especially with like showrunners and stuff like that. Like I had this showrunner who did not care about me, did not mentor me. But then you hear the other people like, I had this boss who was great and they mentored me and they would read my things and things like that. You know, how was that for you? You know, I've, I've had a mixture of both amazing bosses mm -hmm. and bosses that were less amazing. Right. Um, I'm not going to get into, like, specifics. No, of course. Absolutely. But, I ask you um, or, and, like, I've also interviewed for people that I was like, oh, like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like what Angela was describing with pitching, where you, the person wants to make sure you can work with that person. Right. Sometimes on a job interview, you're like, oh, this isn't, this isn't the right boss for me. Or something like that. Right. So I've definitely, you know, there aren't, it's not all saints here, mm -hmm. but, um, my boss, my first boss was wonderful. Right. Um, and 
really allowed me to grow nice. in, in a pretty extreme way. Nice. Uh, so my last kind of question for you, though, is uh, I actually tried to get a friend of mine to kind of guest co-host who actually runs the internship program at uh, Mar Vista. Oh, uh, cool. She handles a lot of the resumes and hiring of that. Um, what was it like for you being on? Did you interview the interns and things like that? I as well? did. I was okay. doing about um, eight interviews a week, but usually like in a long block. And I was going through their resumes. So I was I mean, it was a, a huge part of my job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I look back on it and I'm like, I don't know how I did all of those tasks. Right. Um, but yeah, I was kind of thrown into the fire in terms of having to hire yeah. people. Um, and, and pick. Now, we, we, you know, we love to talk to, like, casting directors and things like that because it's getting that other side of the table. So for you, what was it like being on that other side of interviewing? You know, how did you come up with your questions? What, if you can, maybe some of the questions you always made sure to ask that you thought were important? I learned a lot. I mm. learned a lot about my own interview skills being on the other side of the table. Some of my friends who were interns for me at that time would talk about how I would sometimes come out of an interview with just like glassy eyes. And they're like, we never want to see the interviewer's glassy eyes because it means that I've basically just taken a mental nap. Right. Um, and I was able to start figuring that out with different people. Mm-hmm. So I always liked when people could answer more than one question mm-hmm. at once. Okay, so kind of kind of like she did where <laughs> she answered yeah. like three questions in one. Gotcha. Exactly. So if you say, you know, why did you apply for this internship? Mm-hmm. That's a really good opportunity to say, you know, one, why you apply for that internship. <laughs> Answer um, the question. Two, why you want to work in the industry in general, your mm-hmm. long-term goals, your short-term goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even, if you're artful about it, throw in strengths and weaknesses. What I loved was when in a person I was interviewing could throw me off my game. Because I would have a list of like eight or ten questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, a lot of them would be like, what are your short-term goals? What are your long-term goals? What are right. your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your challenges? Tell me about a club you were in in college. Why did you like it? Very boring. <laughs> but if someone could answer those questions and make me think and right. then talk to them and then relate to them right. and then see them as human, then we could just turn it into a conversation mm-hmm. and I could see if I could really picture myself working with them and spending mm-hmm. a lot of time with them and were they intelligent and articulate, they have something to add. Right. And that's what would kind of get someone through. And then there were always the people who like, interview horror stories like the the guy who called 10 minutes before his interview and said i got into a bar fight last night please don't be alarmed that i have a gash in front of my eye someone smashed a beer bottle in my face okay <laughs> like okay like sure i probably wasn't going to ask about it right. but now i'm curious as to why you think it's appropriate to talk about getting into bar fights right. at a job interview and because why, it isn't. Why that wouldn't become, I'm sorry about my eye, I was in a wreck last night. <laughs> <laughs> or just like, like what kind of interviewer is going to yeah. be like, oh, you have a cut on your face, tell me all about it. And like, do you want to work for that person? Probably yeah. not. So like, that's another thing. Like, you don't have to really... No, like people no, no. like get so in their heads, like I have to tell them everything. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. I'm like, a, I'm a human being too. I'm not going right. to like... Weird face. And Talk the, about it. Well, and, and also, <laughs> Sorry, I pointed out. Even if they don't point it out, like if you, see, if you see the gash on some, like, you know, if you see the cut on someone's face, my first thought is not bar fight. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not the first thing I would think. Exactly. I would think, oh, oh man, maybe he hit his head on something. You know what I mean? Like, so bringing it up is a stupid thing because the, nobody goes there. They go, you know, the cast on the arm. Oh man, they must have fell or they exactly. must have you know. But now I'm there. Yeah. And now I'm thinking I'm responsible for the safety of like these 
you know, dozen, two dozen right. interns. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if I can let you in here. Yeah. And so we yeah. had a lot of things like that. Or uh, another one of my favorites, I'll tell me if there's too yeah. many horror stories. No, but, I love horror stories. Um, <laughs> I love them. So what's your long-term goal? And I had one kid say, oh, well, I want to be the first person to win the Oscar for best screenplay and best adapted screenplay. Now, first of all, like other people, I think have probably done that. Like, let's put that aside. But that's like a very obnoxious goal. Yeah. It's not like I want to be a screenwriter. And so then I followed it up with, well, what's your favorite movie? Mm-hmm. And like, what kinds of movies do you want to write? Right. And he said, well, I really admire Wes Craven and I'd love to write the next Scream. And so all I'm thinking is, do you think that's going to get nominated? <laughs> <laughs> but it comes into like weird questions that like, this is like earlier you asked, what makes the entertainment industry different? Right. Well, we're going to ask about what you watch. Right. But we also know it. And if you're going to sit in front of me and tell me that you want to be a horror director, that's mm. great. Do it. Fantastic. Right. Um, like, maybe he was envisioning Get Out. I don't really know. Right, right, right. But, like, at that time, the horror was not going to ever make it to the Oscars. Right. Certainly, like... I don't think Wes Craven's dream is to win an Oscar. Right. It's to be awesome at heart. And that's okay. You can own that or give a different answer. But, like, keep your story consistent, you know? And know the content that you're watching. People bother me all the time when people are like, oh, I really, like, I only really watch HBO. My favorite show is Master of None. And you're like, but Master of None's on Netflix, so tell me more about it. Yeah. You know, what do you actually do? And it's like those little things that trip you up. Is this person going to pay attention to detail? Is this person really aware of the industry? Will they be able to track? Do they know what's what? Just like these people petitioning Netflix to cancel Good Omens. Exactly. And he's like, uh, that's not not who makes them. Exactly. You're like, you know, it was a reality company, so you want someone who answers that question with a reality show. Or they can say, like, I don't really watch much reality, but I'm really excited about the assistant training program part. Mm -hmm. I worked later at a company that was mostly producing reality, and we needed someone who understood reality Mm -hmm. and, and wanted to watch it and we got a lot of people who in their interview people I don't really watch any reality and I was like well that's helpful well I'm really sorry but you can't you have to pull some show right I don't watch a lot of reality either but like I watched enough competition shows that I could talk about in an interview I love the hills you know there's something give it to me don't say Game of Thrones if you're trying to produce something for Bravo I've seen enough that I know like, I could mention at least five reality shows and tell you at least one person who's on that show and one storyline. Like, yeah. easily. Some that I could tell you everybody on that show. <laughs> I could tell you every storyline and tell you which girl I hate on that show. But, I, yeah, you have to know something about what you're interviewing And for. it also goes back to, do you want this job? Yeah. Because maybe you don't want to work at a reality production company, and mm-hmm. that is fine. But if you're mm-hmm. going to be unhappy and miserable, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to hire you to be here right. because this isn't what you want to do. Right. And it's not going to serve you because, like, some people, like Angela, can make that jump. It takes a lot of hard work. Do you want to get stuck in reality if you really don't watch any? So that's, like, one of those mm-hmm. things that I learned to pay attention to that I had previously not mm-hmm known right fantastic well speaking of that being on that other side uh kind of moving into hollywood resumes uh the the crutch of what you guys are doing now what what is overall what is hollywood resumes um and you guys obviously found yourselves earlier in 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 your paths in la what finally went man we should really do you know resumes yeah I know like what was what was the conversation was it like with me and Michael who's my producer like hey man you want to do a podcast like what was it for you guys that that brought this together well so 
I guess over time, we had both been doing resumes for a long time. And I'll say Hollywood resumes, we're a resume writing business. Mm-hmm. And we started with only four services, resumes, cover letters, thank you, notes, and mock interviews. And we've mm-hmm. expanded a lot, and I'll, I can talk no, more absolutely. about that. But so anyway, um, I think ever since we did that internship together, we learned how to do resumes. Mm-hmm. And Cindy was doing them for everyone that she was training. And then over time, for whatever reason, I was always doing my friend's resumes. Right. And it got to the point where... Our friends were our friends' friends were asking us for resumes. <laughs> we're like, maybe we should get paid. This is actually kind of a lot of work. Yeah. But the the last straw for me, it was so I had it was so hard to break in, right? And I mm. landed in reality with no intention of that, and I had no idea what I was doing, and I had no idea how to write the right resume for what I wanted. Right. And if I'd known, and if I'd had any help, mm-hmm. then you know. This could have all been different. And so when we started out, we focused on entry-level resumes only. And mm-hmm. now we do executive level also. But we started that way because we thought these are the people that need the most help. Right. And so what happened was I was um, looking at intern resumes for, for Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. And I got this one, a resume and a cover letter that were just atrocious from a really smart Duke student. Right. <laughs> who I knew was smart and had heard great things about. And right. I was like this person just doesn't know any better, right. you know, and I, I could help him. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Cindy and I was like, Hey, so I have a business proposal. <laughs> Would you care to start a resume writing business? I will write a business plan and we can decide. And she was like, Oh yeah, I'm in. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> so that's kind of how we got started. And, um, you know, we launched in January of 2016 mm-hmm. and have just kind of grown ever since. So, you know, we added pretty school, we added LinkedIn profiles mm-hmm. and then, um, we do, uh, things to help people with grad schools or mentorship programs or professional development programs like uh, bios and right. personal statements. We teach script coverage. So we do a lot more stuff and now mm-hmm. have launched um, classes. So right. some online classes and we do, you know, speaking engagements, workshops, those kinds of things. So it's really become a whole kind of career services business. Right where we do a lot more stuff and help people with kind of all phases of the job application process and just helping them get their foot in the door or move to their next step. Gotcha. All right. Nice. I, Man, I wish you guys were around when I moved here. Like, I wish I would known. Like, that's what I yeah. think. Like, I wish I would have accidentally just ran into you and <laughs> had been one of those friends right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so what... You know, when did you start, both of you, as you guys were getting internship resumes and writing your own resumes and seeing friends' resumes, when did you start seeing, like, patterns of, you know, systemic problems that people have that not, it's not just me, it's not just Jeff or Debbie, it's everyone. I mean, for me, it was, I was, in addition to screening potential internship candidates, Mm -hmm. I was also helping the current interns, you know, with mm-hmm. their different career advice. And it was just like class after class after class of interns had these same strange notions about the industry or the mm-hmm. same mistakes that they were making. And I was getting these resumes in and they were just, you, you would look at them and be like, oh, like this is what I can read mm-hmm. and this is what I respond to and this is what I don't. Mm-hmm. And after a while you could look at a resume and after three seconds know if this is someone's worth continuing to consider or not. Um, I was in a unique position also where um, as a coordinator at It's on the Grid, we started expanding and we were going to hire a marketing director. And my boss was like, well, you hire people all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't have time for this. And like I said, we had a great relationship. Um, so he was like, why don't 
you handle this. And so mm-hmm. then I was hiring for the person who was going to be above me mm-hmm. and screening their resumes. We got so many people mm-hmm. and it was the same process. I was like, oh, the same things that make me know what makes an intern resume good. Mm-hmm. I can apply to what makes a marketing executive right. resume good. Right. And that was really interesting for me. And that's kind of continued. Like now I can screen at my next job. They're like, well, you've hired people. Well, we mm-hmm. need freelancers. We need crew. We need to hire assistants. Mm-hmm. And it was all kind of coming together that mm-hmm. people make the same mistakes over and mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. again um, because they just, they're reading too much on the internet. Right. They don't understand what's happening in this industry. They're getting right. way too in their heads. Like people in Hollywood are so neurotic. Mm-hmm. And that we're just like, are we doing it good enough to tell enough of my story? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Or like, no, I have no idea what this looks like. But no one really ever gets it in between. And that like Goldilocks (laughs) of like, I have enough information and you have not wasted my time. Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) So it almost feels like no matter like the department, you you have the egg. It's just you make the egg as it needed to be for that job. Exactly. It's like, like, if it needs to be scrambled, you make it scrambled. If it needs mm-hmm. to be over easy, you make it over easy. But the egg is still an egg in the long run. Exactly. We don't. One of the things that differentiates us from a lot of other resume writing services is mm-hmm. that we don't have like one format that we follow. A lot mm-hmm. of people will say, "Can I see a sample?" And we always say no because everyone is a little bit different. Right. The point is that you have to. Your resume says do some key things. It has mm-hmm. to tell your story. It has to be clear and mm-hmm. concise. And it has to reference relevant skills to the job posting. Right. And if you do that, then it's going to be like, it's going to get to that next level. Right. And then it's, then it's your cover letter and then it's your interview and then it's your follow-ups. But in the resume phase, that's what you have to be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, well, I read that, you know, having an infographic is really helpful. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Like, let's just put that out there into the world. The star rating system, mm-hmm. like, not helpful. Star rating system. People will be like, these are my skill sets. Professionalism, four out of five stars. Oh, Attention gotcha. to detail, three so out of five like stars. almost like novice, yeah. expert, like Right, so beginner. you're like, oh, well, they must be telling the truth because they said they're a terrible typist, but they're excellent at getting coffee. And you're like, I don't like you. Be excellent at everything. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I what do these things mean? But it's like noticing like that people are getting the people are trying to fit themselves into mm-hmm. these like internet, you know, rules of resumes. Like you were saying right. earlier or and the, and last week about the quantifiable skills. Right. That assistant jobs don't really have those. Right. So stop trying to make your resume seem like it has a quantifiable right. skill if it doesn't have one. Right. And if absolutely. it needs one then we can work with right. you. So this is the part of the show where I tell everybody, if you have a resume, pull it out now. So as they talk, you can go, oh man, and cross out things and, and change things uh, as you go forward. So um, as you were looking at these resumes, and all again, your friends or interns, what were some of the main, like top common mistakes that you would see that would be like, you know, like, like we mentioned last week, having the mission statement, like you don't need that. It's repetitive. Like what were some of the things that you saw that were just every single person kept having? Like you do not need it like this. I think the biggest one is that there's too many words. Everyone mm-hmm. has too many words. I have too many words. Like everyone has too many words. Mm-hmm. So it's about getting them to be more simple, clear, and concise. Mm-hmm. And again, like, like Cindy said, like we need, you need to tell a story with your resume. Right. So Get the most important information at the top. Again, choose a format that that helps that, and then don't clutter it with too many other words. Right. 
um, just be really concise. You don't need to use full sentences. Mm -hmm. Get the point across. And then um, show your skills. Don't tell. Gotcha. You know. Um, Some of the other ones are verb tenses. Mm -hmm. If you say that you're presently working somewhere, then you should use present tense. That is, if you have a pile of 100, 200 resumes to look through, Mm -hmm. and you're only bringing in five people for an interview, the easiest way... People are not looking for reasons to say yes. They're looking for reasons to say no. And then they'll be left with like 20 that then they can evaluate. Right. So if I see the word present and then I see the word collaborated, Mm -hmm. I say, nope, you don't know grammar. Goodbye. Um, Putting a picture on your resume. A lot of people randomly do that. I don't know Mm -hmm. why. Uh, There's a big thing like with interns, maybe because they hear like actors do it. So in Hollywood, you need a picture. Mm -hmm. One of our favorites is Angela got a resume of someone dressed as a cat for Halloween. Many cats. (laughs) <laughs> why i don't know it don't was know. a page of cat picture. it was really strange so like you know so, like, those were a lot of things we saw at, like the entry level because people think oh you need a headshot like you don't need a headshot no That's I, super I, creepy. anytime anybody's asked sure me for a headshot for a job i don't mm-hmm. i don't even continue yeah it's super weird yeah it's um, weird. too many bullet points for one mm. job and then not being one page if you if you're applying for an executive level job, you should have like more of a CV that's two pages long, mm-hmm. maybe three if you're like at the top of your game and have had a billion jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're certainly if you're a college student, you haven't lived long enough mm-hmm. to have more than a page. Um, but even in the middle of your career, I'm not I'm not reading that much mm-hmm. for you. Right. And that's a big one. People be like, I don't know how to write everything that I ever did. Right. Every day for the oh. last 10 years onto one piece of paper. Right. And the key is you're not writing everything you did every day for the last 10 years on one piece of paper. Right. You're writing the most important things mm-hmm. that you did over the right. last 10 years that apply to this job posting right. on this piece of paper. If it was something different than what you guys just talked about, uh, what was something that you would look for like right off the bat? Would it be like spelling? Would it be uh, tense? Like what was the first thing... I'm going to look for this because if I see anything like this, it's already in the trash. Pictures of cats. I, you know, what, what, what would that be? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think typos and bad grammar mm-hmm. is a killer for right. sure because everyone needs to know how to write. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a pretty bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, the wrong objective always gets me. Yeah. I've gotten mm-hmm. so many resumes for some reason that say I'm seeking a job in the hospitality industry. I don't know why it's the hospitality industry specifically, but it, it, it has happened enough that it's right. worth noting. Um, hmm. Interesting. Like, I don't want that. Okay. Um, okay. Or I say, seeking, okay, like, I won't send that to you. Yeah. Or seeking <laughs> jobs um, in a different location. Mm. Oh, a lot of times I get resumes from people being like, this is, I saw you posted X job. Mm-hmm. If you happen to be hiring for other positions in this location, please mm. keep my resume on file. And like, obviously I'm not going to bring that person in, but also like they go into a part of my brain that is crazy person. Right. <laughs> so if they ever do move to LA and are right, right for the job that I want, they are in my brain. Like I'm not right. going to say their name in the podcast, but like they're running through me <laughs> right. right now. That's funny. Okay. Nice. I think cover letters too. I mean, oh, cover I, letters. I, I, forgive, <laughs> I forgive bad intern cover letters because they don't know anybody. Right. But for an assistant, when it says, I dreamed of working in television since I was a small child and was so inspired by blah, 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 that is a throwaway. Yeah. 
Just get to the point. You're wasting, yeah, you're yeah. wasting space. <laughs> like, yeah. just get to the point of what it is that you're yeah. talking about. So we can cut, kind of cut this down in two different parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what are some general points on, like, a resume uh, that, as entertainment professionals, we should focus on? Like, what is it that we should really f- make sure this needs to be in it? You talked about, like, telling a story, kind of going into, maybe going a little into that. Like, what should we make sure you have this in your resume? It depends on the job you're applying for. Right. The entertainment industry is so big and so varied. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually one of the other issues that we see a lot with resumes is that people try to have a one-size-fits-all. Mm. Um, and you're going to need to tweak your resume depending on the job. So a job for, like, manager of production mm-hmm. is going to look very different from a job of manager of development. Right. And an assistant job is going to look very different from a coordinator job. So mm-hmm. it's hard to answer that question. The mm-hmm. biggest key would be to match the bullet points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for assistant level, it's phones and calendar, anything administrative, booking travel, expenses, doing runs, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you get a little bit above that, um, you're going to need to get more nuanced. Right. Absolutely. Have any, anything in particular that you, you see, Angela, that, that people need to focus on more? Yeah. Or is it about the same thing? It's about the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just looking at the posting and then matching it. Right. And you can literally rip the, the wording from the posting if you want to. Right. And just put it in your resume. <laughs> as long as it's true. Right. As long as it's true, yeah. What, what I love, when we were talking last week, uh, or, you know, last week when we talked about my resume particularly, if you haven't listened to that, go back. They offered just some great insights just to my resume. My resume, you can find it in the, the description of this episode. Um, one of the things that you brought up talking about, you know, telling the story was just mentioning what the company is that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it, when you said that, I was like, that's so simple. Like, it's so <laughs> stupidly simple that I've, I've, but I've never heard in my whole entire, like Googling, looking through articles. I've never had one single person tell me, Hey, make sure you let them know what this is. And, and, and so when you said it just blew my mind. <laughs> Uh, so I, just because it's so, it's so, it's so dumbingly simple, why that I'm like, why never I thought of that? What else can people do to tell that story in just the resume itself? Um, some of it has to do with the order of mm. how you place things. So if you're mm-hmm. a recent grad, you should put education at the top and okay. some people say, Oh, education should always go at the bottom. And that's not true because mm-hmm. if you're a recent grad, you want to say, hi, I'm a recent grad. The mm-hmm. easiest way to do that is have the education and the date on the top. Right. And then that gives context for all these other internships that you've done as opposed to opening with internship. Okay, this person's an intern applying for this job. Oh, wait. Oh, they just graduated. Now I get it. Right. Set them up for success by, you know, starting with that kind of stuff. So it's that and, you know, trying to engineer it in a way that the most important information is at the top. So we've had clients um, sometimes that come in and they have had no entertainment experience whatsoever, mm-hmm. but they won some screenwriting competition maybe. Oh, okay. And so maybe we do, that's the case when we might do a two column resume, we'll pull mm-hmm. up, you know, somewhere on the side. So it's higher up those awards for the screenwriting competitions, even though it doesn't really fit into experience anywhere. Right. That would be a case when, you know, you look at it that way. So again, it really depends on the person, the format that you use, but mm-hmm. the format is the starting point for telling your story. Right. And then the rest of the story is 
why does it make sense for you to work at this company? Mm-hmm. Well, because you have the exact skills that they need. Right. The thing that trips a lot of people up is thinking that a resume has to be a biography and you have to list all of your things and that the things that you spend the most of your time on each day mm-hmm. need to be the first two, three bullet points. Mm. But what if that's not the job you want, especially if you're transitioning to a different industry or you're transitioning to a different side of the industry, you're trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Presumably, the job that you've been doing, your, the, the main task that you've been doing will not be the same tasks that you're doing at your next right. job because it's a transition. So what you want to do is identify the things that you've done that make you qualify for that mm-hmm. and put that there. And you can leave out the other stuff. And a lot of people think that's lying. They're right. like, oh, no, but I spend most of my day doing X. And and what if they ask me about it in an interview? <laughs> but they're probably not because they don't care about X. Right. Have you ever done Y? Mm-hmm. If you've done Y, say so. Right. Tell us. Right. Don't make us, like, guess that it's something that you could do by virtue of the fact that you've applied for the job. Gotcha. Okay. I get that. Um, so when you, like, switching to cover letter... What would you say are some of, again, just kind of asking the same question, what are, what are things you've seen that are just common mistakes? People other, you know, obviously like my, I live, I dream to be in the big city and all this stuff. Like what are, what are you, I'm going to guess, I'm going to make a wild guess that overly worry is one where it's just like four pages or just, okay, I don't need your whole story from Massachusetts to LA, but uh, what other things have you seen? They're like, okay, this is just a common mistake everybody makes. Yeah, so not only does it not need to be four pages, it Mm. doesn't need to be one. So you want like half a page Mm. max. Um, That's the biggest thing I've noticed. I used to be, I think in college, for whatever reason, the career center tries to freak everyone out about cover letters, Mm -hmm. and they're actually not that hard to write, but you know, you get this funk on them and you think in mm-hmm. your head that they're hard. Mm-hmm. But when you start hiring people is when you see what, what cover letters are good. And it's just the people that very clearly tell you why they're applying for that job. <laughs> like, hi, here's who I am. Here's what I'm looking for. Here are the things I do that match what you're looking for. The right. top line things mm-hmm. in, you know, half a page. And it's often you're applying for stuff via email. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, write an email, like a, a professional book conversation email. Mm -hmm. Hi, Cindy. I'm very interested in the job posting that you listed on LinkedIn for Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm, I'm this person and I've been doing this, but I'm looking to transition to this kind of role. Mm -hmm. You know, in my current role, I've been doing this and this and this. And, you know, I think I'd be an asset to your team. Here's my resume. Boom. That's it. It's like so simple. You don't have to say too much, but you can, you can literally do an email half the time. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes if it asks for a cover letter Mm -hmm. and you're applying by email, you can attach one, but then have a shorter version in your email. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just send an email, cover email that's very, very short Mm -hmm. with your resume. I don't even really read cover letters usually mm-hmm. because they I use them more as a weed out as opposed to right. uh, they they hurt more people than they help I think because mm-hmm. people don't know how to write them right yeah, absolutely. you skim them mm-hmm. to make sure there's no red flags or something yeah. weird right. like you a lot of people think that you need to write things like I'm an effective team leader mm-hmm. or like I you know love communicating with a lot of different types of people or something not tangible. Mm-hmm to show that you can do those things. Right. And that's really something that's going to come out in an interview. If you talk about the actual tangible skills that you have, mm-hmm. then that'll come across. Right. Um, and then people also worry that like, if you're too professional, you might sound not passionate enough, but right. saying I'm passionate about children's television, mm-hmm. that means you're passionate about children's television. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be like, 
because as a child, Rugrats <laughs> made my life better mm. or like go into a whole right. thing about it or like I've been following the career of so-and-so for mm-hmm. a long time. People think like, how will they know that I really want this job? Right. Because you've said so and presumably you've also networked your way to it. Right. Now, I mean, we kind of talked about like reality shows, like knowing in interviews like this reality show and things like that. So if I was applying, let's say, for a assistant to a development executive at ABC, would it be in less of my best interest in my cover letter as long as if it was still a like half a page or you know, very short detail saying like, I've been a big fan of these shows that's been produced by ABC uh, for a long time. And you guys make great stuff, and I would love to be a part of that. Is that something... First part of that sentence. Okay. I'm a big fan of ABC's content, right. and I've watched all 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Right. That's an acceptable sentence. Okay. Continuing on past that, right. not okay. Being like, right. I love ABC ever right. since, you right. know, they had TGIF. Right. And when I join your team, we're going to bring it back. <laughs> you've crossed the line. See, gotcha. And you know what else, too? Just in the way that you phrase that right, right. now... You know, I've been a fan of ABC shows like da 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 da. They know their shows, right? So you could just say the shows, right? It, it bothers me when, like, a Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon is responsible for creating some of the best content for children. It does this and this and this. I'm like, you don't know what are we you, do. Are you giving I, us an award? That's what that sounds <laughs> right. like to me. But it's like you don't know the inner workings of this company. You don't right. know what we're looking for. Just tell us what you do, not right. what we do. Gotcha. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, one of the things I hear a lot, and, and I wanted to bring it up because I'm sure there's other people that do is this idea of being overly qualified or mm-hmm. too qualified. I have heard that a lot, especially here. Um, a lot of times people saying like, well, you know, we're worried that you're maybe overly qualified for this, you're overqualified for this job. Are you sure this is something you want? And it's me going, screaming in my head, like, yes. Like, I would love to work for this small production company who where I would be assisting the heads of the company because I'm trying to get my foot in the door I have a lot of office experience, but I don't have this experience. Um, how is that something you can overcome through a resume, or should you dumb down your resume to make sure that doesn't happen? Like, what? What is? Or is that just an excuse people make? So the the biggest thing is like, will you actually be happy mm. in that job? And if the answer, like, you have to do some some right. digging because you're going to be doing this job for as an assistant you know 50 to 60 hours a week for very little pay and a lot of stress and if you really are not up for it then like they might be saving you right you might not actually want the job you can believe in yourself and say you know i have a lot of years of experience and maybe i should go after coordinator level positions Mm -hmm. at a company at what point do you have to say to yourself my foot is in the door. Mm-hmm. People keep telling me I'm overqualified. My foot is in the door. So maybe I should now put the other foot in the door and take that next level. Right. So that's the first thing. A lot of times people get upset that they're overqualified. Mm-hmm. And it's because they really are overqualified. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be miserable. And no one wants to be around a miserable person who's going to want to leave in six months. Right. And that's about trusting yourself and your own abilities mm-hmm. and just being okay with it. If someone right. thinks you're overqualified, it means that they see something in you that means that you could do something higher level. So right. if you're not seeing that, right. <laughs> take a look at what you've done <laughs> and you know be a little bit proud of yourself because right. you have done some really good stuff. And I, it makes me really sad when people pl- apply for jobs that are below their mm-hmm. level 
Because you're not going to be happy for very long right. is the reality. You're not going to make any money and right. it, th- you're going to start to resent it. Mm-hmm. And if you just put your mind to it and really target your search on those higher level roles that mm-hmm. you actually are really qualified for, mm-hmm. you'll get one eventually. Right. So, and, oh, and oh. Sometimes there's like, you know, you're not actually overqualified, but you're just coming across as overqualified. So mm-hmm. I went from a coordinator role to an assistant role, mm-hmm. which is technically a step back. Right. But I'd been a coordinator at a film database and I was working for like one boss mm-hmm. and like the lit management stuff kind of subsided after a while. So it started being a very different style of job mm-hmm. and it was really far away from, you know, writing and, and development. Mm-hmm. And so when I applied for a job at a production company, I was like, well, I can't actually be a coordinator there because I've I really haven't coordinated in this way. Mm-hmm. So I need my resume to reflect that I'm open mm-hmm. to this assistant job because I'm actually not overqualified for right. it. But then once I was doing the job, I was like, oh, it turns out that answering phones and <laughs> scheduling <laughs> meetings is all the same. And given that I've taught over 200 people how to do it, I'm mm-hmm. pretty good at it. Right. And so this seems like a silly thing to do. And so I was able to, in that job, mm-hmm. start using the coordinator things that I learned to like only do be an assistant for six months. Right. But it was about recognizing like where you really are, what you're really willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I think I think for me it was always that I didn't. My fear was like I didn't have at that time any industry experience in the sense of in an mm-hmm. office, in a production company, things like that. So it's like when they would say, I was like, but I don't have this experience. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't under. I don't know how a production calendar per se works. And so that was always my frustration. It was like, I I know me. I'm old. I'm not a college student. I understand who I am. I'm coming in here because I'm looking for. Were they this. saying this to an in an interview, or are you just not getting interviews? They no. They were saying it like to me in interviews. Like so, you look somewhat. You look kind of overqualified. Or you should, and again, I think it's definitely that. Like, are they going to be unhappy? So then I would else? answer mm-hmm. and say, I know I look overqualified. I know I have some right. experience, but I don't have any industry experience, and mm-hmm. I don't know what a production calendar is, and I don't know what these things are, and I right. need to learn. And please trust that I've made this decision, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter that I have a wife back home and usually you're hiring a 23 year old. Right. This is what I'm fully committed to. And you say that in an interview and you communicate it and then they recognize, okay, well this person won't be bored. Yeah. I've had that in there and I've also had it when they called me to tell me I didn't get the job. Like, well, we're just worried you're overqualified and we're, we're going to, we actually went with somebody else. I'm like, well, you could have asked me. Like you could have called me. That could just be a nice way that they're saying, we're just passing. I mean, I passed on so many pitches. (laughs) called it crushing dreams. It was very sad. And there are plenty of ones that were just terrible, but I never would just say, oh, that was just terrible. Mm-hmm. You make up an excuse. Right, right, so what no, you have absolutely. to think about is they called you. Like, one, you right. got the interview. Yeah. So right. getting the interview already means you're in decent shape. Right. And you didn't get ghosted. Right. No, and absolutely. most That's of the big. time, people don't ghost you. So the fact that they called you to tell you they're overqualified means mm-hmm. that they think you're a valuable person. And you mm-hmm. can parlay that into, okay, well, if you ever have anything on a lower rung coming up, right. I really love to work with this company. And then keep building the connection. Mm-hmm. And... And use that and, and use it to build confidence in yourself. So much of what we see is people getting turned down for something. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, I don't know. I must be doing something wrong. Right. I don't know where I, where I am. Mm-hmm. But someone took time out of their day to mm-hmm. tell you you were overqualified. Right. So smile about it. Damn right. straight I'm overqualified <laughs> and I'm going to get the next job. Right. I came in second. It's <laughs> a really good place to come in. Michelle right. Kwan came in second, I True. think. I'm True. not like a <laughs> person. <laughs> Somewhere Michelle Kwan's listening to this. Like, no, I, didn't. I think she did. I think no. that was a whole to do. 
so I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway for those maybe wondering. What, is it best to cast a wider net or really zone in on those jobs? Really zone in on those yeah. jobs. Because it, it takes a lot of time to apply for a job, right? Mm-hmm. you got to tweak your resume. you got to write a new cover letter. And if you're doing it right, you're right. You're doing these things every time, right? Mm-hmm. So you can spend tons and tons of time just, you know, sending out your resume to a billion places. Mm-hmm. Probably no one's going to read it because you're not doing any extra work to follow up. Right. You're not actually going on LinkedIn and seeing if you know someone that works there that could pass your resume along. You're not doing all these extra little things, right? You won't have time. But if you find, you know, pick 15 companies that you're really passionate about, you love their content, this is exactly what you want to be doing, and you spend a bunch of time networking. Like, I picked two, right, mm-hmm. when I was looking for my children's entertainment And you job. made sure people knew. And I made sure everybody <laughs> knew. But, you know, I was able to do that because I only had two to focus mm-hmm. on. But even, like, again, you could go all the way up to, like, 15 right. and focus on those companies, make a list, and, and create some kind of schedule for checking the job postings every day, mm-hmm. meet people there, and then you're going to have a really authentically true cover letter mm-hmm. that shows that you really do want to work there. It'll be easy to write because you genuinely want to work there. And there's a real reason that you want to work right. there. And that'll come across in the interview. You're going to have researched them a lot more. You'll have, you'll, you're just able to just put more time into having a really high quality application in all of the parts of the interview, everything. Right. And you'll probably have networked your way to a referral, which means mm-hmm. you're not just going to this portal blindly. Mm-hmm. Right. That, right. That's really key. I mean, Angela referenced this earlier that she would tell everyone about Nickelodeon, but it was, you know, mm-hmm. we were talking to each other all the time. And had she not said to me, I really want to work at Nickelodeon, I don't know that I would have been like, Oh, by the way, I remember that you moved here to work in children's TV. And mm-hmm. all I do all day is think about how badly you want to work in children's <laughs> TV. And I have someone who works at Nickelodeon, so here's their contact information. Like, mm-hmm. I would not have, even though we're really good friends and I care mm-hmm. about Angela's success, it's just like people aren't on other people's top of mind. Right. But she says, I want to work at Nickelodeon. I don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, oh, I know someone who works there. Gotcha. Absolutely. And we've talked a ton on this show in past episodes about the importance of like networking mm-hmm. and, 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 and keeping, you know, uh, building bridges and, and not in the sense of just like using people, but building true friendships and, and, and acquaintances. Um, what are some, just some suggestions that you might have uh, to help build those networks to maybe keep in contact so that you're not, it doesn't feel like I'm becoming a pest. I, I, I am just it legit. I, I am interested in what you do and I want to make sure that you're still aware that I'm still around. So fun thing to do is look for excuses to email. Like if you see an article in the news about that company or a project that's exciting, mm-hmm. just shoot them an email and say, Hey, I just saw this. It sounds really cool. Congrats. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to say anything about yourself. Just remind right. people that you exist. They'd be, oh, hi, how are you? What are you up to? Oh, well, I'm looking for this kind of job right now, but I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And then they're on their radar again. Or right. maybe it's Christmas time and you want to send them a little holiday note. Mm-hmm. And if not, I mean, that's fine too. You can always just send little updates. You don't want to do it every week or every two right. weeks, but you know, every couple of months, just mm-hmm. check back in with these people. No one's going to be mad at you for, <laughs> for following up. Right. Um, use the same email chain that you've been using before just to jog people's memories. It's mm-hmm. really, really helpful. Mm. Um, 
And the yeah. worst thing they can do is not respond, yeah, and then you didn't get an email from them. Right. You, you also won't get an email from them if you don't reach out to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And paying it forward is helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, if, if you're offer favors. if you're offering a favor, or if they know mm-hmm. they can talk to you about a favor, or if you're saying, like, "Hey, this person, I had an informational interview with this person, and they really want to meet someone who does X, and I thought of you. Would you be open to it?" That just puts you back on the radar, but you're you're not asking for you. Right. You're suddenly a benevolent, kind person. Right. Absolutely. Hi, Cindy and Angela. This is Michael. I am one of the other co-hosts here at Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Really wish I could be there today. Uh, But my big question for you is uh, I've been working in the medical field for the past seven years, and I am looking to now transition into working in the entertainment industry. So are there any specific tips that you would recommend to someone who has been working in an outside industry now looking to go into the Hollywood hustle of the entertainment industry and how one may prepare, whether it's a cover letter or resume to show that those skills are transferable. Uh, thank you so much. Really looking forward to what you have to share. Um, thank you so much guys. Back to you, Daniel. Uh, so yeah, that was Michael's question. Uh, kind of, he, he is, uh, about to transfer out of his current position that he's been in since he moved here in 2012. Um, at a doctor's office where he started basically just uh, uh, they wanted to transfer all their files uh, to digital. And he basically stood in a room doing that for months and then rose up to uh, desk and, and assistant and things like that. And, and now that job is kind of winding down and he wants to start really putting that focus into the entertainment industry. Um, what you know advice would you have for him to take that hospital resume to help him get a job in the entertainment industry. So first of all, he's going to need to ask himself why he Mm -hmm. wants to do this and have a really, really compelling story for what that is, because he's going to have put in, he put in a lot of time in Mm -hmm. the medical industry and he's going to have to essentially start over. So you have to kind of accept that, right? You're going to be an assistant. But the good news is he's done a whole lot of organizational stuff already. So he can put all of that stuff into his resume. And it shouldn't be all that hard to get an assistant position if you've already done a lot of that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Um, What will be trickier for him is that he's done that kind of stuff for a long time. And he's going to have to convince someone that that he's okay with this Mm -hmm. transition and Mm -hmm. he's really passionate about it and he understands the industry and he has his favorite shows and he knows the writers that he loves or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever side he wants to go into knows something about it. He's done his research and his homework. Right. Fantastic. Any any thoughts? uh, Yeah. I mean, I think it depends what part of the industry he wants to get into, but Mm -hmm. it's helpful on a resume in addition to, you know, transferring the bullet points by matching the skills Mm -hmm. to think about, well, are there anything entertainment related that I can put on my resume. So he co-hosts a podcast about the entertainment industry. So that shows, okay, well this guy didn't accidentally apply Mm -hmm. because that's a big thing. Like I was saying, people Mm. apply for jobs in different places and then they immediately go to the no pile. But if he were to do like a side by side resume and Mm -hmm. put like co-hosts and founder or whatever, Hollywood hustle podcast on there Mm -hmm. with a little blurb about what it is, then that's suddenly like, Oh, okay. So he's passionate about this. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. If he ever, you know, took a PA gig on the side on a weekend, Mm -hmm. any classes in college that he could throw in the bottom there, maybe like sign up for UCB class or UCLA extension class just so that it's like, oh, okay, this is, 
you can even put something like that in the education section of your mm-hmm. resume and then you start with education right. again because the most recent thing you did was a UCLA extension class on breaking into Hollywood. Right. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for answering his question. I know you really wanted to ask that. Um, <laughs> I wish you were here. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. It's nice to have him around. Um, as we kind of wrap up, um, is there any kind of final big pieces of advice? Oh, real quick. Actually, sorry. Before we wrap up, you guys uh, just kind of started your uh, assistant training classes. I know you're looking at adding more to them as you progress. Uh, you also do kind of some work- workshops and things like that. What can people expect when they come to take that assistant class, at least in the general sense, um, and maybe from your workshops? So the assistant course covers basically everything you would need to know to be a great assistant. Mm-hmm. So it's Hollywood lingo, um, the power hierarchy, industry mm-hmm. basics, how to, you know, hands-on phone training. What mm-hmm. does it really mean to roll calls? How right. scary really can it be? <laughs> uh, scheduling meetings, script coverage, importance of research and tracking. I found the script coverage really cool because that's essentially you don't hear a lot about assistance, especially in the entertainment industry, until you're like here and a lot of people don't understand what that is and how to do it. So I love that you guys have that in there. Yeah, I mean, it's a big part of the job application process. People mm-hmm. will give you a script and they'll want your notes. And if you mm-hmm. don't know how to do that, yeah. then that's a problem. So we one of the services that we offer mm-hmm. is actually script coverage, intro and review, or just script coverage review to make sure that that's going in you know, right. really well. And obviously we have... I've done a, quite a bit of script coverage in my life, mm-hmm. but I mean, Angela is a development executive. Right. <laughs> she kind of get better I mean, than, duh. than that person <laughs> helping nice. you out. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so that's our that's our training course, and in our workshops, we offer more of an overview on resume writing, cover letters, LinkedIn networking, mm-hmm. um, interviews, common interview questions, things like that. Everything it takes, right. you know, beyond the piece of paper, right. to get the job that you want. Is the class webinar or is it in person? How, how does the class, at least the first one, how did that that one work? It's online. Online, okay. Um, and we limit it to five people because we do want it to be very personal and want to get to know those people and, mm-hmm. and tailor it towards right. what you actually want to know. Right. Yeah, so it's six weeks, an hour-long sessions. Oh, nice. um, so it's like a full, a full course, but we also offer... Uh, workshops that are in person um, and we're looking to expand different course offerings so also you know if listeners if there's anything that you really <laughs> want to learn or that you know you think we should be offering you're like I, I wish that this existed right. tell us a lot of the, the services that we've added have come from requests right. um, you know, we added LinkedIn after multiple people were like resumes are great you guys would be really great at LinkedIn profiles too we're like yeah that's true right maybe we could help you <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's something we should add <laughs> Uh, and I love that you have just like five people because I think that also shows like this isn't like a cash grab. Like we have 60 students and everyone just hears this general spiel. And then afterwards we sell our software, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool that you kind of keep it limited to such a small group. Um, where can people find these things? Where can they go? How can they contact you? Um, they can go to our website, mm-hmm. which is hollywood-resumes.com. Mm. Um, that is where you'll find all the info about us. And also we have a free weekly career advice newsletter that you can sign up for. Um, we talk about everything ever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we love writing them. It's really fun. So a lot of stuff we talked about today, but tons and tons of other stuff, all of it's on our website, on our blog, but you can get 
all of that, and you get some extra stuff, you know, discounts, announcements, things like that. Mm-hmm. All That's just our resource library. Yeah, yeah our resource library. Um, mm-hmm. And follow us on Facebook. Every Friday, mm-hmm. we post a picture of a dog doing a career-related thing. Ooh. Um, uh, so it's, which I'll add to my resume. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it definitely brightens people's day. Nice. Um, so Follow us on Facebook as mm-hmm. well. Very nice. Awesome. Uh, one of the things we love to do is celebrate like small wins. A lot of people don't celebrate. The, they always look at the big things. Um, so I just like to ask, it can be Hollywood resume general, or if you guys individually have any small wins that you'd love to share, we would love to celebrate those that maybe you had this last week or in the last few weeks. Um, any small wins that you would love to share? Yeah. Um, well, the first one I think is going to be our training. Right, class. no, absolutely. I think yeah. That has been so fun. Yeah. Building that and just a huge expansion of our business. Right. Just like a whole other angle of it. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. Um, I would say, I think last week we had a client email us and say that she just got an assistant job. Um, the first one she applied for after hey. her resume. <laughs> Which, I mean, we get emails from clients like that often, right. but, you know, just That's a recent one so that was really nice. Yeah. 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 They don't have to tell us, but, <laughs> you know, some of them do. It's, it's like, cool. it's like a OG BYN's getting sent pictures of the babies. It's yeah. like, yay. Yeah. yeah like we, we all did this together. Yeah. Um, a, a personal one is I mm-hmm. recently hired a very different kind of candidate for a very strange <laughs> job. Ooh, um, that's right. It was like a, a part-time, flexible, and right. warehouse position um and it's i've never hired for something like manual labor before and it was really fun to see like how i read resumes a little bit differently for something like that and and how some of it was similar and crafting job postings uh, (laughs) for different types of things and it's uh it's always nice when you you can when i can hire again it reinforces what we're doing here. Right. So that was like the, a really fun one. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> uh, any other ones before we move on? Before we I'm good with those three. Good? Yeah, I love solid. it. Yeah. Beautiful. Very nice. Um, uh, and, and I guess finally, like the biggest piece of advice that you could give to those in those lower positions or on the job hunt that you think is like, this will help you. Um, my biggest advice that I always tell people is that you can get and do deserve the job that you want, mm. especially if it's an assistant position because it's not all that hard. But right. people are going to tell you that it's too hard. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that you can. Very <laughs> few people will. Nice. Um, but you just have to kind of remember that, that you bring value to the table. And, you know, if you present yourself the right way, mm-hmm. you can absolutely succeed in nice. getting that first job. Very cool. And I think, um, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, and I think being resourceful when you're in an mm. assistant job, if you don't want to be an assistant for the rest of time, look, if you do, that's cool. But right. most people don't. Um, being resourceful, recognizing who your boss is and, and how to like cater to their specific interests right. and being indispensable mm-hmm. um, and going above and beyond. Those are really important things that will get you promoted Mm. pretty quickly being a yes person you see your boss is stressed out well Mm. then you can you know you're capable of accomplishing the task that they need to accomplish Mm -hmm. do it fantastic awesome well thank you so much uh before we go i asked you at the beginning of this six numbers uh that you each picked three um i I, me get to my regular spiel here before facebook and after friendster there was a wonderful place that people go to waste time called myspace 
people would have these profiles where it would take forever to load up because what if God was one of us had to load and then you'd get in fights with friends of why you weren't on their top six or top eight friend list. One of the things people did was waste away time by answering questions on quizzes that they would just post on their pages. There's no BuzzFeed result, just random quizzes that have no meaning for anything. I found one of these quizzes. It's 167 <laughs> questions. I'm not going to ask you every 167 questions because that would be a whole other podcast. But I'm going to ask you based on the numbers that you chose, six questions that you each can answer. Now, I only have one rule for this uh, for this game. No explanation is needed okay. because I personally find that funny. Okay. If somebody just says yes and it's like, okay, no, and just move on, I find that hilarious. If it is to some of these can get personal if it ends up being a too personal question that you happen to pick because i don't screen them uh just let me know we'll edit that out and we'll just ask like the next question below it okay. all right which i've done before because i'm like oh that's <laughs> and that's uh, inappropriate so cindy and angela hollywood resumes are you ready for your myspace quiz maybe yes <laughs> yes all right <clears throat> first question again y'all can take turns answering first question what was the last song you listened to What's that new Sean Mendes song? Is that maybe it's not new and I'm just old. Oh, Senorita? Is that the one with the the, no, the other singer in it? No. It, it's like um I can't <laughs> it's not about you. I don't, oh, I, yeah, that song. Okay. Uh, there you go. That that's fine. That's you. perfect. No, I can't write go. a song that's not about you. Whatever. Don't, I'm not singing anything. No, that's fine. That's perfect. That's beautiful. I actually beautiful. don't know off the top of my head. What's the last song? Possibly was? like a country song or something. Okay. In the car. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All right, no worries. <laughs> perfect. That's beautiful. All right. Are you sensitive or loud? Meaning, like I'm I'm assuming that means like, are you like, so like so? I think that's I am taking this as like personality. Are you someone that comes in very quiet, or are you the person that walks in like, what up everybody? You know, like what 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 is your where is your personality ranked on that spectrum? Definitely loud over sensitive. Loud over sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Same. All right. Same for Cindy. All right. Next question. <laughs> Some of these questions. Have you ever been on a horse? Yes. yes, we love horseback riding. There you go. <laughs> it's in our interest section. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's on our resumes. Um, <laughs> that's the next series. I know you said no explanation needed. Oh, no, that's I fine. Like I love that was, it. That was a that's, nice call. Uh, that's a beautiful uh, callback. I, I also feel like you should start putting every Saturday's horses in office positions wow. on your Facebook pages. Um, have you ever liked so someone so much it hurt? You don't have to say who. Just generally a yes or no. Yes. Yes. Okay. There you go. See? It's, it's easy. All right. And the next question, your second to last question is, what year has been your best year? And it's fine if you have to think about it. We can remember, we edit. 2009? 2009. Perfect. How about you? Uh, this next question. I literally don't know. Okay. That's fine. All right. That's fine. 2019 could also be. It's on its way to be, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 2019 can suck it. 2015, maybe. That's pretty dope year. Yeah. Sure. All right. We'll go with it. 2015. Fantastic. And the final question of your MySpace quiz, Angela and Cindy. Have you ever seen someone you knew and purposely avoided them? 
Yes. 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies, for being just awesome sports. You guys have been so fantastic. Such great knowledge and, and, and education that I think a lot of people are probably, again, looking at the resumes going, oh, God, okay, I know what to do, and I'm sure you're going to get some calls, maybe from me. Uh, thank you so much for being on. Uh, uh, I, I hope maybe we can have you back later on, maybe to discuss maybe if anything changes or how things develop. Uh, we'd love to have you back on in the future, and uh, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. This is great. All right. Back to you guys in the studio. Welcome back to the Bookends League of Hustle. Wow, that was such a, a great and informative interview. As some of you may know, I am currently on the job hustle myself, as well as the wedding planning hustle and actor hustle. So the fact that Cindy and Angela were able to address my particular situation as to how I can craft my resume to show how my experience working in the medical field can translate to the entertainment industry was super helpful. Daniel has been supporting me the past couple of months as I've tried toiling over job submissions, and he'd just say, listen to Hollywood resumes. Well, I'm glad I did, and I will do so again and again and again. What were your big takeaways? Was there anything Hollywood Resumes pointed out that you realized you might need to fix in your resume? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Again, you can send us a voice message via Anchor FM. Just download their app, or you can check us out on your computer. If writing is more so your style, please shoot us a message to hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com and with Hollywood Resumes in the subject title. As always, you can also reach out to us on social media. On Instagram, we are at Hollywood Hustle Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at LA Hustlecast. You can also follow us personally on both platforms. Daniel is at Daniel Tuttle. Lennox is at Lennox Knight Official on Instagram and at Lennox Knight on Twitter. And I am at Michael Lutheran on both social media platforms. For more information about the services Cindy and Angela offer, please go to their website, Hollywood Resumes. Dot com, and there you can sign up for a free weekly newsletter about everything in the industry, their resource library, as well as funny dog pictures as well. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show today and you want to get more, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. That way you're always up to date with the hustle. Ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts are always welcome, but more importantly, if you know someone out there who is working hard for their dreams, whether that's to make it here in Hollywood or beyond, and you think they could do with some weekly inspiration, please recommend this show to them. We're all about building community, and if this is your first time listening to the show, you have been officially inducted into the League of Hustle. Bangarang, that's it. You're in the company of dreamers and artists and entrepreneurs, so welcome. And if you value this show, and if you've been listening to us for a while and want to help contribute to the making of this show... If you go into Anchor FM, you can actually send a financial contribution to us. You can buy us a cup of coffee, or if you want to make a more sizable contribution, any amount helps in the production of making this hustle happen. Now, this episode was brought to you by Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle is our host and executive producer. This episode was edited and co-hosted by yours truly, Michael Lutheran, and Lennox Knight is our social media manager. Next week, we're back with a side hustle. Daniel and I will be giving updates on our journeys, and we'll be joined by one of our friends who has appeared on the show a number of times. Then, in the following weeks, we'll be sharing more fantastic conversations with an actress and writer, the leader of an incredible mastermind group, and the cinematographer from the most recent Child's Play remake, and a whole lot more. 
You excited? Because I know we are. Now, I can't wait to be back with you guys, but until then, keep inspiring, keep thriving, and always keep up the hustle.